Awesome. Hey, turn with me in your Bible to the book of Galatians chapter 5, if you will. Galatians chapter 5, about two-thirds of the way back through the New Testament towards the back of your Bible. If you've been following along here in the services or online at all, then uh, you probably got that place marked. We've been there for a few weeks now. We're moving through a series called Bearing Fruit, and we're looking at a passage of Scripture from Galatians chapter 5. Just two verses. We'll get to it here in just a little bit, but mainly what we've been doing is looking at these nine qualities. The Bible calls them fruit of the Spirit, and these nine qualities are qualities that we all need in our lives, right? Every single one of us need them, but at the same time, uh, what we find is they're, they're really revealed perfectly through the person of Jesus. And so we've been moving one at a time through these. Uh, of the nine, this is our fourth one that, uh, that we're looking at. And so we've still got about five more to go. And so making our way through Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. So let me ask you a question before we jump in. Uh, it's a real simple question. You don't have to answer this out loud. In fact, I would really request that you not answer this out loud. Just answer it kind of in your mind and your heart. Uh, when was the last time that you were impatient? Okay. <clears throat> I think the laughs kind of like reveal maybe where your answer is. So when was the last time you were impatient? And, and think about, so are we talking weeks here? Are you thinking, you know, back in the early part of February, yeah, I was impatient a couple of weeks or so ago. We talking weeks, are we talking days, you know, like this past, you know, Wednesday, are we talking hours are we talking moments, maybe even like right now, you're thinking, come on, man, speed it up. I got somewhere to go here in just a little bit. Right? I'm just, maybe even you're struggling with impatience since you've even been in this room. When was the last time you were impatient? And, and, then, and then I guess another question kind of off the top of that would be, what makes you impatient? What are the kinds of things that typically tend to put you over the edge to where maybe you're having a nice, calm day, everything's just so, so chill and going smooth and going really well, and yet, boom, something happens and you go over the edge and you are suddenly now dealing with all the stress and all the anxiety and this thing called impatience. What tends to do that? So I was thinking about some images that we could, we could look at that capture pictures of things that cause impatience. And let me just roll through a few of them. Here's the, here's the first, and maybe for you, this is thing, one of the things that causes impatience, long lines. Any of you, how many of you would say your patience is tested with long lines, whether it's at, you know, Sam's or a grocery store, or you're checking into somewhere, you know, ball game or movie or something, um, whatever it may be. It's a long line, and you're just kind of cruising, then you, you get your stuff, and you've got two things, right? You've got, you know, like a couple of apples and a bottle of ketchup or something, and you're, all I need to do is just get out of here, and you go, and every line is shut down except for one, and there are 29 people in there, and they're all buying meals for the rest of the year, and you're stuck back there with your two items, and what you feel is like, that impatience starts to creep up. Why? Because that long line ultimately creates it. Or maybe it's this next picture back behind me. Maybe this is what does it for you. It's not so much the long lines. Take a look at this. Maybe it's traffic. It's traffic. So, <laughs> so I'm from this area, right? Born and raised like 15 minutes from here. I've lived on the island for close to 20 years now. And there are times I'll leave the church and I'll, I'll pull out here to Pinwaller <laughs> and leave in our, our, the back part of our parking area. And I'll be taking a left on the Pinwaller, and there's like seven or eight cars, and I'm thinking, seriously? I mean, what is this? Atlanta? Is we 285 here? You know, that's what I say whenever I get impatient. Seriously? I don't know what your word is, but we all have them, right? Hopefully it's a good one. And so seriously is mine. And so you're like pulling out there. It's just this traffic, you know? How many of you love driving in Atlanta? Any of you? 
right? Maybe some of you that just have adrenaline rushes and you just sort of thrive on that thing because you've got the secret NASCAR gene going on in there somewhere. But, you know, the rest of us, we don't like it. Why? Because it backs up. And you're traveling up 75, you're trying to get to Atlanta, you get to Jonesboro, and it's like, seriously? Right? Everybody's backed up. Maybe for you, this is what really brings impatience, and you turn into this. Right? You turn into that guy, and you're, you're that person, you know? You know what he's saying there? What, what is he saying? Seriously? That's what he's saying. I mean, come on! Impatience. That's, that's sometimes, that's what does it. Or maybe it's neither of those things that really create impatience. Maybe it's this one. Maybe it's a person, right? It's a person, and I really hope you didn't just elbow somebody just then, right? It's a person, somebody that creates impatience. It's that person in your workplace that just doesn't get it. You've told them a thousand bazillion times, and they still make the same mistake, or they still don't give you what you need, and it's that person that creates such impatience in you. Or maybe it's not someone you work with. Maybe it's someone you live with. Maybe it's one of your kids, or maybe it's one of your parents, or maybe it's the person you're married to, or maybe it's that uncle that comes over every couple of months and and just drives you up the wall, and you just feel that impatience that begins to come, and, and you don't know how to deal with it, but it just comes out of nowhere. It's that difficult person. Or maybe the last one, maybe it's not really a person so much as it is just unfair treatment. You know, and, and it could be you get looked over at work for a promotion and you're thinking, you know what, I've been putting in my time and I'm just tired of waiting here. You know what, I'm, I'm just going to go somewhere else. Or maybe it's you feel treated unfairly from a political perspective, right? You're overlooked or maybe in a relationship or there, there's some circumstance in your life where you feel like, you know what, they're treated much differently than I am or that person's treated in a different way than I am. And that unfair treatment causes you to just get impatient with the whole circumstance. Or maybe even beyond all this, Maybe it's an impatience with God, right? Maybe you're kind of waiting for something that you're trusting God for, and it hasn't happened on your time frame. And when you look at God, you feel this impatience and this anxiety and this stress to the point to where you don't really want to spend a lot of time with him, right? Because he's not working at the speed and at the pace that you want him to. Here's something that we've learned about patience. It's the first principle we're going to look at. I'm going to give you two or three today, and I hope you'll jot them down. Take a look at this one. Patience is revealed against the backdrop of challenges. That's, that's how we see patience. I mean, patience doesn't really get noticed when everything's going smoothly. When you got your chair out at the beach, and you, find, you love going to the beach, and you got your chair out, and the tide's just right, and uh, you know, it's just a beautiful scene out there, and the water's calm, and you're just having a great day, you don't really think so much about having to demonstrate patience there, or whatever is your beach, right? Whatever that might be. Maybe for some of you, it's being out in the wood shop, or maybe it's shopping, or whatever it is. When you're in that moment, and everything's going well, you're not thinking so much about patience. And people don't even look at you during those moments and say, you are such a patient person. Boy, the way you sit in that chair on that beach and just fall asleep, you are so patient. They don't say it during those times, right? But rather they say it against the backdrop of challenges. This past week, <clears throat> like um, Adam mentioned about the rain, it's been raining forever, it seems. We've all got our little Noah's Ark degrees, and it's just been raining and raining and raining. And one of those days I was, I was driving and I think I was coming over the bridge, and uh, it, it was one of those days where the rain had stopped, and actually there was a little bit of blue sky, but it was still kind of this orange color. The sun was starting to go down. It's just this beautiful scene, man. And, and in the backdrop was this haze. 
this, this hazy, orangish color, maybe some storm clouds still that were out there. But the sunset was just awesome. It was just so, so beautiful. And the thing that made that sunset pop were the dark clouds. It was the haze that was there. You've seen things like that before. You've seen sunsets like that. They just pop. It's like, it's like they're not an ordinary sunset. They pop. And it, the reason they pop is because of the storm clouds. It's because of the, the haze or whatever it is in the background. When you think about patience, patience is often revealed most clearly against the backdrop of challenges that come in your life. And when those challenges sweep in, it, it, it's, it's in that moment that we have to determine, are we going to demonstrate patience or are we not? It's in the backdrop of challenges. And we need we need patience when circumstances challenge us, whether it's a long line or whether it's traffic or whether it's that boss or whether it's some other circumstance that doesn't go your way. Those circumstances create the challenges that require patience. And sometimes it's not the circumstances. Sometimes it is the people. Sometimes it's the difficult people, right? And you've got them in your life. And somewhere in another church somewhere, somebody's sitting on the fifth row and their pastor's preaching about patience and they're thinking about you right? (laughs) They're thinking, yeah, and they're saying your name. Man, that person really challenges me. You know, but it's difficult people sometimes who challenge us. Sometimes they try, they know the buttons to push, and sometimes they don't know how to try. It's just something about them that tests our patience ultimately. Sometimes it's just the fallen world. You know, this fallen world we live in that, that, that creates challenges to our patience without us even having to go Looking for it. So I'm driving, I'm driving in this morning, <laughs> driving in. I live like six minutes away from here. I sound like I live out in the you know, middle of nowhere. So I'm, I'm driving here. It's like three miles. <clears throat> and, um, and as I'm coming around the corner, so it's, it's Sunday morning, obviously. Not a whole lot of traffic on the road on the island on Sunday mornings. And uh, so I'm driving. I'm not even in an area near a red light or anything. And I'm coming around this curve. And <laughs> as I come around the curve... There are two people on two bicycles right in the lane in front of me, right? So I come around the curve, and there they are. I'm kind of on the curve, and I'm having to decide, <clears throat> so do I go around them and maybe get run over by the one other person who's coming this way, or do I just wait? Well, you know, waiting is not an option, right? And so my response was, seriously, right? There is a bike path 30 feet to your right. That's what I'm all thinking. And here's the bad thing. Sitting on the pastor's seat next to me is this sermon. (laughs) I'm serious, man. And I'm going through it in my mind while I'm driving in and I encounter this. And as I'm thinking, come on, man, get on the path or just speed up. They're just like, it's not like they had the, you know, Pepsi cycling team or they didn't have any of that. So just, you know, I'm just like, and, and I realize it's like God stopped me there. It's like, what you preaching on today, boy? It's like, oh yeah, Lord, would you produce a little bit of patience in me right now? And, and uh, it was just a reminder, the world we live in creates so many opportunities, doesn't it? Where we have to demonstrate patience. And it's not, it's not easy. It doesn't always come naturally, but it's against the challenges that come in life. Those challenges often create the perfect backdrop against which patience just pops in this fallen world. And it puts Jesus on display. And it makes him look really good when we can reflect that kind of of patience. And so maybe it's a circumstance, maybe it's a person, maybe it's just the world that we live in. 
but it's revealed, I think, a lot of times. Here, here's what I found. I was thinking through this this week, and see if you agree. That for, I think, most of us, when we think about when impatience begins to creep to the surface, if you really boil it down, not trying to be junior psychologist here, but if you really boil it down, I think a lot of times impatience really begins to creep in to us whenever our comfort is threatened, I think is one way. You think about those long lines, right? I mean, we roll up to that line, and there's one open, and there's so many people ahead of us. We've only got a couple of things. And we're thinking, you know what, I'm supposed to meet somebody for lunch, and I was really looking forward to that, or I've got to be somewhere, or I, didn't, you know, I don't have time for this. And really what's happening is our comfort is being threatened by that circumstance, or maybe by the person who's threatening our comfort. And what happens is we become then impatient. Or maybe it's not just our comfort that gets threatened. Sometimes it's when our control gets threatened that we become impatient. Think about it this way. So, so you're the parent, say, of a four-year-old. And that four-year-old um, has their colored markers and they have a, a piece of paper and they're going to be coloring a picture. And it's the washable markers, which means they don't wash out of anything. But they've got these colored markers, and they're going to color a piece of paper, and they want to do that in their room on their carpet. And so you come to them, and you say, no, honey, it's great that you're going to color a picture, but I need you to come to the table. And they say, no. That little four-year-old self says, no. Well, no, we're going to move this project to the kitchen table. And that's where you're going to color your picture with your colored markers on your piece of paper, not on your carpeted floor in your room. And they say, no. And what happens is then you begin to get a little impatient, right? Because why? Not so much your comfort is being challenged, but because your control is being challenged. And what happens is if you're not careful then, for all of us, maybe you know, that, that finger starts to come out like, it's heading that way. You just kind of want to hold it back and pull it back. Or maybe you're about to say something because you're not going to challenge my comfort, I mean, my, uh, my control. I'm going to win this argument right here. And maybe it's not a four-year-old. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone else. And when you feel your control of a circumstance or of a relationship challenged, what happens is your response is you get impatient with that person. And it comes out maybe in a variety of ways. Maybe you say things you regret. Maybe you do things you regret. Or maybe it's when, maybe it's just when your plans get derailed. You ever get impatient when your plans get derailed? You know what, God, I thought I'd be married by now. You know what, God, I thought I'd have kids by now. You know what, God, I've been in this job now for X amount of years, and all my other friends, they're kind of working through, you know, their businesses are growing, or they're moving up the corporate ladder, and I thought I'd be kind of moved along further than where I am right now. This wasn't my plan. I didn't plan to be here in my career. I didn't plan to have to face this particular health crisis. I didn't plan to have to deal with this circumstance or this challenge in my life. And what often happens for us, not you, not you, us, is that when our plans get derailed, often what happens is we get impatient, and sometimes that impatient get, impatience gets directed ultimately to God. And what happens is we then don't want to spend time with Him because we're just a little bit put off by Him because He's not working according to our agenda, even though He never told us He would. <laughs> His plans are better than our plans. His timing is better than our timing. And yet oftentimes it's our comfort that's threatened, our control that's threatened, or our plans that are derailed that bring about 
impatience with us. Here's the second principle, and this is really, really good news. I want you to listen, listen closely. Jot this one down. The good news is this, that patience can be yours no matter what your temperament is. Doesn't matter what your temperament is. So, so here's, what I'm, here's what I might be thinking. That there's some that are sitting here, you're listening, either at home in your PJs, sitting on your couch, or you're here, not in your PJs, thankfully. You're here in this room, and you're listening, and, and you're already starting to think, you know what, Brooks, you, you don't know me, man. <laughs> I've always been this way. I'm high-strung, I'm tightly wound. It's just kind of the way I'm wired. I just, I just, I don't have patience and I love Jesus and I know the Lord and I serve him and I read the Bible. I mean, I do all those things, right? I I really care about my relationship with God, but I am not a patient person at work. I have to be high strung because if I don't, people aren't going to get stuff done that they need to get done and deadlines aren't going to get met and I've got to be high strung and I got to be tightly wound because my work depends on it. Or that's just the environment I was raised in, and my parents were that way. And now I've sort of gotten it myself, and that's the way I roll. And, and the problem is you come home from that work, and you come to a family, or you come to a set of friends, and you come to other circles that aren't employees, right? And you carry that same high-strung, go-get-it mentality, and they're not always ready for that. And your impatience ultimately gets interpreted differently outside the workplace than it does inside the workplace, and it creates friction in relationships, And the good news is that if you feel like, you know what, that's just the way I've always been. I've always been uptight. I've always been anxious. I've always been high strung. I'm never going to be able to see this demonstrated in my life. The good news is that you can see patience demonstrated. This can be one of your strongest qualities even, and here's why. I want you to lean in. I want you to listen to this. Here's why. Because patience isn't ultimately produced by you anyway. It's a fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of you. If I say, you know what, I've always wrestled with patience. It's just the way I am. Good news. It's not called, patience is not called the fruit of Brooks. Otherwise, I'd be up a creek. I'd never see it produced in my life. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Which then reminds us that whenever we are ultimately faithful to come to Him on His terms, then we can see that fruit produced not by us, not by our effort, but ultimately by God through us. So, so let's be reminded. D- don't worry, this isn't just the intro, then i got another 30 minutes to go. All right, this, this is all just sort of one flowing message. But let, let's go ahead and jump in now to the passage we've been focusing on. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, okay? And let's take a look at it, and then let me make another couple of points, and then we'll be out of here to start living this out. So Galatians 5, 22 through 23. So Paul writes this. It's a letter to a group of believers scattered called the Galatians. They're kind of in a region, but it's applicable to us just as much. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And when you see patience there, or when you see love there, love is the beginning. Love is the first one. It's a fruit of the Spirit, and what we've kind of said through the series is that, that it's out of the fruit of love, really, that a lot of the other fruits are demonstrated. They all kind of spin out of it. So we've got this little graphic that helps us to see how patience is related to love. Let's take a look at that one. Patience, really, when you boil it down, is love stretched. It's love stretched. When you're there with that four-year-old, and they are challenging your control because they want to color with their markers on the carpet, and they're not wanting to do what you want of them, 
before you let the words fly and before you begin to get in their face and before you prove to them who is in charge in all the wrong ways, patience is love being stretched. Not broken, love stretched. Whether it's that coworker, whether it's that friend, whether that's neighbor on the other side of the boundary lines that sometimes rubs you the wrong way, regardless of what it may be, if it's just you driving along to church, reviewing your message, and there are two people on bicycles riding slowly in front of you, patience is love not broken in half and discarded. It's love stretched. I mean, what a beautiful picture that is. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's called the love chapter, really. A lot of people call it 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It doesn't brag it. It's not arrogant. Love is patient. That's one of the first things that it makes mention of right there. Love is patient. And it reminds us for uh, it reminds us of the important truth that and, and the, the principle. In fact, this is the principle we've been looking at all through this series, that whenever we look to produce fruit in our lives, it, whenever we look to see its presence in our lives, including patience, it doesn't come because we try harder. It comes because we press closer. It doesn't come because we try harder. You're not going to be patient because you try harder. You do better. You're not going to leave here and say, wow, that was inspirational. I love the stories. And now understand my need for patience. Thanks for making me feel really guilty, Brooks. I'm going to go out of here, and not today, but tomorrow, I'm going to start trying to be patient. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to nail this thing down. I'm going to be patient. It's not going to work. I mean, not to deflate you. It might work for a season, but over the long haul, you are not capable. I am not capable of producing patience out of our self-effort. It comes when we press close to Jesus, and he ultimately produces it through us. It doesn't come because we try harder. It comes ultimately because we press in closer. Here's the cool thing. God knows patience, right? He knows the quality of patience. So when he says, in the same way that a, a branch connects to the tree and produces fruit, the tree produces fruit through the branch. When Jesus says, abide in me and I'll produce fruit through you, in the same way when Paul says, walk in the Holy Spirit, he will produce fruit through you. It's fruit of the Spirit when he tells us to do that, what happens is a God who knows an awful lot about patience begins to produce that through us. Think about how patience is demonstrated in Scripture. Right? Think about the, the countless times in the Bible where patience is ultimately demonstrated. I mean, when God creates, here's a deep thought, right? Here's a deep thought for 10 minutes after 11 on a Sunday morning. This is easier for you than the first service crowd. It was earlier for them. And uh, you can handle this. But think about this deep thought that when God created mankind, Adam and Eve, when he created Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God, who is infinite, without beginning and without end, who has infinite knowledge, he knows everything before it even happens. When God created Adam and Eve, he knew what it would cost him to create them, right? He knew the cost. He knew they're going to blow it, they're going to rebel against me and everybody after them, and I'm going to have to send my son Jesus perfect my perfect son, to die in their place as their substitute, as their sacrifice. He, my son Jesus, is going to have to die to pay for what I know they're going to do, and he created them anyway. And when they sinned, he disciplined, and he protected, and he showed patience. A few generations later, Noah comes along, commentary in Noah's day was that the people were continually, their hearts were continually set on evil. God judged sin. But it says in 1 Peter that he was patient. 
tells us that he's patient with us, right? He's not willing that any would perish, but that everyone would come to a relationship, saving relationship with Jesus. God is a God who's patient. When you think about Jesus and his ministry, man, he demonstrated perfect patience. I was, I was prepping for this message this week, and I came across a blog post of a lady. I don't know her. Her name's Elizabeth Marks, but she had an entry in a blog of the different times, some of which, some of the times that Jesus demonstrated patience. They're all referenced with different passages of Scripture, most all of them out of the book of Matthew, actually. But listen to the ways that she communicates the ways that Jesus showed patience. This isn't all of them. This isn't exhaustive. This is just some of them. <laughs> he was willing to bear temptation. Jesus was willing to bear temptation after temptation without sinning. He was willing to bear the fact that he had nowhere to lay his head. He was willing to bear insults, being called a glutton, a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He was willing to bear being accused of breaking the law on a Sabbath. He was willing to bear no honor from his own country and his own home. He was willing to bear the fault-finding Pharisees. He was willing to bear the slowness of his disciples and understanding he was willing to bear the great multitudes that came to him for healing. He was willing to bear his disciples' lack of faith. He was willing to bear his disciples' constant questions. He was willing to bear the Pharisees who came to test him. He was willing to bear the mother of Zebedee's sons' foolish request to have her son sit at his right and his left hand when they came into his kingdom. He was willing to bear Peter, James, and John sleeping instead of praying and watching while he prayed in the garden. He was willing to bear false testimony against himself. He was willing to bear being spit on, struck in the face. He was willing to bear Peter's triple denial. And he was willing to bear being humiliated, tortured, and crucified. And I could add, though sinless. So, when God says, abide in Christ walk in my spirit, he's inviting you to press in close to himself who owns patience. That's why no matter how anxious or tightly wound you may be, the good news is you can still have this virtue, this quality demonstrated strongly through your life as you press in close to him. You know, I'd be willing to say maybe for some, you may have some family members saying, boy, I really hope, I really hope, and they name your name, <laughs> I really hope they're listening to this. Because when we're not patient, what often happens is it, it doesn't only hurt us, right, worry and stress and anxiety and probably physical issues that spin out of that, but it also bleeds over in a lot of other people too. They, they suffer the wrath of our impatience. Ephesians, take a look at what it says here, a few passages as we start to close. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Remember, it's love stretched. You may say, Brooks, that sounds contradictory. I thought it's not by my effort, it's by me pressing closer. And it is, it completely is. But remember the illustration from the very first week of the series, it's like when you're chopping wood, you, you got to get the axe over the shoulder, right? You got to lift it and then the axe does the work and you split wood. So, so there's kind of a partnership here. That's why scripture tells us 
to put on these qualities, to, to love. It's why it commands us to be joyful. It tells us to take inventory. It tells us to take that step, that, 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 um, to be intentional about demonstrating these. But yet the way we're going to do them is not by trying harder. It's by pressing closer and letting him produce those qualities through us. Look at this other passage of Scripture in the book of Colossians. This is a strong one. Paul writing, he says, So as those who've been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I love this phrase, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Let's go back to the first part of that verse, if we can again. Paul uses this phrase, let's, there you go, bearing with. I mean, what a, what a, a lot of imagery comes to mind, doesn't it? We talk about bearing with another person. When I was in school, when I was in high school, um, I was playing a game of pickup basketball after school one day. I think I was 10th grade. It was towards the end of my uh, 10th grade year. And a guy who was on our team, we were playing pickup. Season was over. And uh, we're in the gym. I could still take you to the gym, take you to the spot really where this happened. And uh, he's about 6'4". I'm about 5'9". And uh, we went up for a rebound and I lost. And so elbow met, met mouth, uh, his elbow, my mouth, and immediately when that happened, I, you know, I knew something wasn't right. And I kind of wandered over off the court. And a buddy of mine named Mark came over and he said, let me take a look. And uh, I, I moved my hand and he went, oh, that's, that's a medical assessment that says things are not good. <clears throat> so I went to the locker room and uh, I went to the, to the mirror in the locker room and I looked and I went, oh. <laughs> and uh, my tooth, my front tooth was just, I mean, by a thread just kind of hanging in there. Yeah, that's, a, and uh, teeth stuff still gets me still to this day. And the one next to it was, was not far behind. So I, I called my mom, and um, this was not cell phone time. This was back when I was in school. Everything was black and white, actually, when I was in school. Color didn't come along until my kids were born. And, uh, and so I, somehow I got a phone. I guess I went to an office or something, and I, and I called, and, and I told my mom. I said, Mom, I need you to come pick me up. I almost got my, my teeth knocked out. And, um, and so I waited. And I waited and I waited. And my mom was always late, and I and she couldn't hear well either, and which plays into the story. And so, uh, so she finally came. She finally got there. And um, after the fact, uh, I asked her. I said, "Mom, what took so long? I mean, why did you come? I told you I almost got my teeth knocked out." And she said, uh, "Well, I thought you said you almost got knocked out." You know, it's like, what difference does that make? I mean, like, seriously? <laughs> you know, like, oh, he almost got knocked out. Let me just finish this work here real quick. And I'll go get him. And uh, I'd only known it was your teeth. And so, so after that, you know, she picks me up, and then it's after hours, call to the oral surgeon into the, to his office, and uh, braces across the front that were like 12 weeks or so, just kind of let everything get set again, and uh, enormously enjoyable experience. And what I remember from that is this, the, the oral surgeon, the dentist, man, he was just awesome. And uh, they didn't put me to sleep. They, they, they put me to sleep to take them off. I never have been able to figure that out. But they just numbed everything up, kind of put something over my eyes. And I remember, I remember what he said the whole time through. He kept saying, bear with me. Bear with me. I guess he learned that in fix a high school kid's teeth school or something back when he was in, maybe they had a class in it. But he kept saying that over and over, bear with me, bear with me. I couldn't see anything, I covered up and just laying there, just feeling everything and your head moving and just bear with me, bear with me. And you know what he was saying in that phrase was, don't flake out, don't be afraid, don't give up, don't get mad, bear with me. Hang in there, don't quit, bear with me, 
I know it's not comfortable. Bear with me. I know you can't see what's taking place right here. Bear with me. I've been here before. I've done this before. I'm trained. I know what I'm doing. Bear with me. Right? There are times in our lives when our comfort is threatened. There are times in our lives when circumstances don't go the way we hope and the backdrop is a little bit dark. There are times in life when our plans get derailed. I was just playing ball. I wasn't planning on seeing a dentist to get my teeth wired back in that day. And there are times when we can't always easily see the hand of God, right? But if we listen, it's almost like we can hear him saying, just bear with me. Don't flake out. Don't give up. Don't get mad. Don't get impatient. Got a plan. I've been here before. I know what I'm doing. I'm God. <laughs> and sometimes there are people in our lives around us, right? That they're not always easily able to see God or His patience. And sometimes maybe what they need when they come to that place where they test and try us is to see a little bit of it demonstrated by us. It doesn't come easily, I know. And I know for some of you, you're probably, there's a reason two weeks ago when I said, hey, let's go through this list of nine qualities. Raise your hand with the one that, you know, was the most challenging this past week. And patience was by far the one with the most hands up. I mean, we all, we all know what it's like to wrestle with patience. And it's when our comfort's challenged or our control's challenged or our plans are derailed and we get impatient. And sometimes it's towards God. But just remember, he says, bear with one another. And we don't have to bear with God as though he's, you know, somehow let us down. There it kind of translates, not bear with him, but just trust him. You know, James, in his book of Scripture, kind of has a neat way of demonstrating this. And we close with this final passage of Scripture. He gives some examples in the book of James. Let's take a look at that if we can. Just the, uh, yeah, we'll try to get it sorted out. James, we got it? So he says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. In other words, there's a time coming, right, where you're going to be having no need for patience. Well, we're losing all kind of stuff here. It's all. You know what? The good thing is I have a little thing called the Bible here. Let me see if I can. Is James Old Testament or New Testament? Hey, I've come this far now. I got it right here. I'm reading all of this. James 5. (laughs) Yeah, I knew this would come in handy one day, this Bible. James 5, verse 7, he says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil. What a picture there, the farmer waiting. Being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain. It's what we usually do, right? At least I do. If I get impatient, usually complaining is holding hands with it. It's right there with it, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You've heard of the endurance of Job, and you've seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, right? Job was blessed by God more in the end than he was even in the beginning. And the Lord is full of compassion, and is merciful. So he calls us to patience, not to produce it, but to press close 
And as we press close over time, fruit doesn't show up the next day, but it does start to grow. And maybe for you as a believer, maybe your biggest prayer right now to apply this is, Lord, would you help me to press close and would you produce this quality especially in my life? And if you don't know Jesus, man, the good news is God is so patient with you. Once our eyes close in death, all bets are off. There's no opportunity for us to decide to follow him or to trust him as Lord. But as long as we draw a next breath, we have the opportunity that if we don't know Christ, we can choose to lay down our sin and to invite him to forgive us and to take over, to save us. And he'll do that. And for some of you, that's the step that you take next is to give your life to Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what your word teaches us about patience. Lord, we all know it's not easy. In fact, we joke about it. But Lord, at the end of the day, we've all felt the cost of our own impatience and the hurt that it's brought to others. Lord, the damage it does to relationships, God. And, and we've all been on the receiving end of that when someone has been impatient with us. And so, God, we know that this fruit is listed here for a reason, and we know that it is one of the main ways we demonstrate your heart is when we're patient with those around us. And so, God, we ask that you would cultivate that in us. Help us to see that it comes as we develop a relationship that's deep with you, spend time with your word, with you and your word, and as we obey you and as we worship you and draw close to you. Lord, over time, you produce this quality, and the others too. But God, for some this morning, the starting point is to begin that relationship even to start with. And so we ask that for those who don't have a relationship with Christ, that you would just draw them to yourself right now and right where they sit, whether here or at home or somewhere else as they listen, God, that they would make the one decision that will matter most, and that is to admit their sin to you, Jesus, to lay it aside and to invite you to forgive them and to take over. And so, God, thank you that when we call on you like that, you save and that you keep and that you begin to grow and mold and shape us. And so thank you for what you're teaching us here in this series through your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.